0: This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, we cover some wild on tap deployments with Vector Data's Rebecca Pinheiro, and Chris Brill.
1: Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi and Sully the Monster. I love NetApp. Oh yeah. I love NetApp because it's so funny. <laughs>
0: Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. I'm on the phone here with Rebecca Pinheiro uh, and Chris Brill of our partner, Spector Data. Hi.
2: Hi.
0: How's it going?
2: It's good. Good. I'm
0: I'm great. Uh, So Rebecca, I think, was a little surprised that I said hi because we've been talking for the last 15 minutes. I think I threw her for a loop there. So I tried to make it sound like we were just starting the conversation, but we weren't. (laughs) <laughs> if it was, if it wasn't painfully obvious, so um, Rebecca, uh, since I put you on the spot, uh, could you tell everybody in, in the audience and the listening audience that it is uh, what you do at Vector Data and if we can reach you on social media and how?
2: So I'm the VP of Sales at Vector Data, um, and you can reach us on Twitter. Uh, we're just at Vector Data, and then also on LinkedIn.
0: All right, and Chris Brill, uh, can you tell us what you do at Vector Data and if we can reach you on social media? It doesn't have to be your Vector Data accounts. you can be your own if you like, uh, if people want to reach you for questions, that sort of thing.
1: Uh, yes, so my name is Chris Brill. I am head of engineering for uh, Vector Data, and you can reach me on LinkedIn, uh, my personal account, under Chris Brill.
0: All right, so Rebecca, um, as VP of Sales, I'm going to make you give me the sales pitch of who Vector Data is and uh, some of the history and what you guys do.
2: So Vector does all of NetApp DC-powered systems across the entire NetApp portfolio. And we started in 2007 focusing on the telco space. Um, And in the telco industry, there's a NEBs requirement here in the U.S. um, And that NEBs certification requires you're taking the system and going through a series of tests, you drop it, burn it, and basically try to destroy the actual um, system, the data has to stay intact to get that certification. And and that's called NEBS Level 3, which all of our products um, meet that requirement. And we were doing that regularization for the telco space and realized why are we not focusing more on military applications? And so we, with the release of ONTAP Edge, we were able to take NetApp and put it on small form factor hardware and we've been manufacturing um, – so we have small form-factor systems running ONTAP Select now. With the ONTAP Edge moved into ONTAP Select, it's allowed us to really deploy NetApp outside of data center environments. So whether it's underneath the seat of a you know, Humvee, if it's on an aircraft, um, we're really finding a lot of different use cases for small form-factor rugged gear. Um, and so there, we've been working with oil and gas. Um, we're working with retail. Um, we have an HCI solution that runs on top select as well. And it's more of a remote office branch office HCI solution. It's not meant to compete with NetApp's HCI, which is more of a data center focused HCI solution. This is remote office branch office, more of an entry level system. Um, and once you get uh, NetApp in those remote offices and branch offices running on top select, we're you know, snap mirroring back to a central data center and getting more NetApp in the data center environment. So that, those are the two solutions that Vector's been focusing on outside of that DC power and telco space. Um, so it's really small form factor running on top select and then this HCI solution that also is select-based.
0: So what's the, how small do you guys get? I mean, what's the smallest form factor we, you've seen out there in the field?
2: Oh uh, gosh, Chris, this is a good question for you. Um, uh,
1: I would say the smallest form factor would be, you know, a little bit smaller than a shoebox, uh, basically. So something, you know, maybe the size of a sheet of paper, but more like, you know, four inch, four to six inches thick, maybe. So we we can get smaller, and as technology is getting smaller, we're getting smaller with it. Um, but yeah, uh, a little bit smaller than the size of a shoebox.
0: You guys not made a Zoolander phone with ONTAP Select yet?
1: We're working on it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, but seriously, I mean, you probably could run it on a smartphone if you pushed hard enough, right? I mean, you could put it on an Android device?
2: Yeah,
1: actually, um, we've been experimenting with even trying to run ONTAP Select on Intel Nooks as well as Raspberry Pi and things like that, getting to that level of, of size where we you know, where we have a hard time is, is really managing the performance and the heat requirements that are generated from that. So that's the challenges we, we face.
0: You know, all we got to worry about now is ONTAP Select becoming sentient and taking over the world ONTAP on tap Skynet. Um, but anyway, uh, so Rebecca, you, you mentioned that, you know, you guys do a lot of deployments with Rugged and, and that sort of thing. Um, with, you know, Humvees, and it, what's great about that sort of deployment with something like tap Select is that you know if something happens to the system, right? So you know if you're in the middle of like an oil rig and the oil rig explodes, you don't lose this really expensive, fast system. You lose like this white box system with Select running on it, right?
2: Yeah, I mean the the hardware um, is ruggedized, so it's. It's not necessarily just a white box system, but um yeah, it is our it has our custom manufacturing system.
1: you know that is a requirement that we get from especially military agencies is they want to see it be able to take a certain amount of abuse, you know, be it unintentional abuse, intentional abuse, you know, whatever it might be, accidental or otherwise, they want it to be able to sustain shock vibration impact um things like that and we can definitely build systems to that we have in-house labs that can perform those kind of tests as well maybe not setting off a bomb next to it but we can definitely do shock vibration and impact
0: so that's pretty interesting i mean you guys i would guess are kind of myth busters of storage systems right i mean you're able to do a lot of fun stuff in your labs i would imagine
1: oh, yeah, definitely. You know there's there's definitely some some impact tests where you know just just like a, a reference off of uh, office space where you know you get to take a little abuse out on a poor defenseless device yeah, the, um, the printer. We see, yeah, in this case, yeah, in this case it's uh it's one of our prototypes, but you know we're we're basically trying to see, hey, can we break this? And if we break it, how do we prevent it from happening again? So it's 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 a constant process, but there's there's definitely those moments like yeah we're really about to do this.
0: <laughs> so Rebecca, do they let you do anything? Do they let you blow things up?
2: <laughs> I wish I uh, I don't I don't get to they don't let me in the labs too much. No,
0: that's too bad. You should start letting her in there. That'd be a lot of fun. Um. So as far as vector data is concerned, uh, you you do a I mean, you've been working with Ontap and NetApp systems for a while, you do some of the support for that. Um, What's the future looking like? I mean, how are you approaching things like Internet of Things?
1: That's actually probably the largest piece of momentum fueling a lot of what we're doing, and that is that more and more people, more and more companies are looking at ways of deploying technology further out into the field or further out into the edge. Um, you making it more mobile, making it more industrialized or rugged. And the first set of applications are, you know, what we would call the Internet of Things or sensor-based collection of data. So be it in a car where you're collecting information about how fast the car is going, um, what's the temperature outside, things like that. We're now starting to collect all that data, and the problem that a lot of companies are facing is all of these IoT devices, you know, be it sensors or otherwise, are collecting a huge amount of data. And it's becoming harder and harder to figure out how to store that data in transition, you know, in transport from point A to point B. And so a lot of companies are looking at, well, how do I deploy storage alongside a lot of my IoT devices? And how do I make that data useful and and make it usable within our data centers where we have our You know, everything from deep learning to AI to, you know, just internal developed algorithms to process that data. So the NetApp family of products and features really lends it to that alongside with our vector data vault edge, where you can basically collect data. You know, huge amounts of data out in the field using IoT devices, store it onto a vector data vault edge product out in the field, and then leverage NetApp Select with SnapMirror and other Snap components to get it from the field back to the data center where you can then put it through, you know, whatever process you need to put it through to make that data actionable.
0: Yeah, and I imagine this sort of thing could be applied to self-driving car technology, uh, mapping technologies, where, you know, you have the Google cars driving around and capturing data. I'm not saying Google uses your stuff, but I'm saying that kind of application uh, could be important there for Internet of Things type of thing, where you have a, a, a node that reports back to a data center, um, and it sits in a car, and those cars can, you know, get in accidents, and we need to be able to survive those accidents because we want to protect our data.
1: Yeah, the... Uh the, the future is going to, you know, look a lot like, uh, you know, we have we all know what the black box is on on airplanes and cars are now having black boxes. But as time goes on, as this, you know, as we have autonomous vehicles and we have self-driving cars and all that stuff, the needs of that black box are only going to increase, and the needs of storage are also going to increase. So yeah, we actually are um, working with several vehicle manufacturers as well as automotive software companies to do exactly that to put storage in a vehicle collect data and use that data in some capacity or whatever.
0: Yeah and and with the shrinking, you know, size of storage, right? I mean, we have flash drives now in the 16 terabyte range and we can eventually go up into the 32 terabyte and 100 terabyte range in the future, right? So that's allowing you guys to do a lot more uh, on, basically onboard analytics, I would imagine, because you have that space available.
1: Oh, yeah, that's uh, where we're seeing the, you know, it's, it's, it's very similar to what consumers are experiencing at home. And that is that the data is growing faster than we can move it. Um, and, and to give an example, you know, there's a lot of remote operations, be it a mobile vehicle, or, you know, some kind of a platform or field office or whatever, where they're collecting so much data that they cannot move it back to their central data center quickly enough because of how much data. So if you've collected, let's say, 10 terabytes of data in a uh, in a car, how do you get it from, you know, from the car back to the data center? I mean, moving 10, 10 terabytes of data is, is a huge amount of work and takes a significant amount of bandwidth. And so, yeah, a lot of companies are now looking beyond that to looking at, okay, how do we put some compute in the car next to our data storage? And how do we process this data down to only what we care about? So maybe we start off with 10 terabytes, but after we put our algorithms, you know, through its paces, we get it down to maybe only a terabyte. And now, leveraging something like, you know, SnapMirror, we can move the data back. So it's, it's a very complex set of problems, and we're finding that technology is certain pieces of technology are moving way faster than others. And right now communications and bandwidth and transport seem to be the biggest bottleneck as it always has. Networks always been a bottleneck. So it's storage.
0: Yeah. And some of the things that are coming down the pipe, you know, to, are going to solve that, you know, things like 5g networks, as opposed to using your 4g classic networks or your LTE networks, right?
1: Oh yeah. And like everything else we wanted to yesterday.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, you know there's always ipv6 right <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah that's that's been coming for about the last 20 years
0: <laughs> and, and honestly ipv6 i think the use case is here now with with internet of things right i mean we we definitely need a greater range of addresses for all the devices that are out there
1: oh yeah i 100 percent agree i think you know in the the early days of IoT it was the the idea that your refrigerator was smart and your toaster was smart and your coffee maker was smart but there wasn't really a drive to really use it beyond that you know sure your device is smart but what what's it really collecting what what's it doing and now with you know kind of the newer version of IoT where you've got all these sensors deployed all over the world You've got that, yeah, that need that need to really address things at the minute level. You know, addressing a tiny little temperature probe sitting thousands of miles away from a single address.
0: So you mentioned all over the world. I mean, do you guys sell into the EMEA spaces and the APAC spaces as well?
1: Uh, yeah, actually, uh, we've done uh, conferences. We've we spoke with customers. We we've done even POCs with. Um, you know, people in the EMEA uh, area um, haven't got quite into APAC as much, but definitely North America and EMEA.
0: And I ask about EMEAs because of the ever impending GDPR that's coming down the pipe and with internet of things and the transfer of data, we have to think about where that data is going and who it belongs to. So what are you guys doing to kind of fit into that GDPR mindset?
1: Yeah, that's, that's, you know, it's a unique area to be in right now. Um, like a lot of technology, we love getting it from from the get go. Of saying, you know, ooh, you know, now we can deploy IoT wherever we want. We've got all these cool devices, and it's even a lot like the cloud. And a lot of you can pretty much relate this to almost new any new emerging technology. The first thing we do is we're out there just playing with it. And then after that technology matures, then everybody realizes security. Um, and that's what GDPR kind of is really the next level of, okay, you know, how about security? How do, how do we deal with privacy? How do we de- deal with compartmentalization of sensitive data and things like that? So um, yeah, we, we are, we feel that using Obviously, within the the IoT space, you know, or even just mobile rugged applications, there's all these devices out there that are doing it, and leveraging NetApp's feature set using OnTap Select, we can help compartmentalize and and encrypt, so you can almost have like a multi-tenancy within, you know, your little OnTap Select box, our little Vector Data voltage box sitting somewhere. So. It's, it's not about having storage. It's about having smart storage. And NetApps, ONTAP Select, and then the entire data fabric allows you to really leverage smart storage further out into the field, not just in the data center.
0: So, Rebecca, what are your customers telling you about vector data? And, you know, what are they asking for, you know, in terms of you know feature sets that maybe you're not offering yet? You know, where, where's the trend moving? And how much of an interest is there in the cloud for them.
2: So we be, the way vector data works is, you know, it's a lot of custom engineering. So we have, you know, some products on the shelf ready to go that, you know, we can deploy quickly, but what we're doing it's much more of a let's take your features, that requirement, we will custom engineer to meet your needs and then, you know, it, there's a longer lead time and then we deploy the solution. Um, but in terms of cloud, I mean, I'd say, you know, with contact cloud, so basically we can go right from our vault edge system right to the cloud. Um, so that that's a compelling argument for a lot of people. Um, I think the biggest challenge we get is really how, like, getting the form factor small enough um, with the capacity that they still want and keeping it within a price. Point that they still want. So, you know, I think with the HCI box that we have too, our H2140, um, that's, you know, they are, we're constantly hearing that they want the price point to come down, but then they still want SSDs and they still want to be able to deploy outside of a data center environment. Um, and then we, you know, we have to still beat Nutanix on price. <laughs> so, that's, uh, it, we just have to get creative um, when we're building a solution to make sure we're only giving them what they're asking for that they need and not, you know, over engineering it um, because the price will, you know, increase quickly. But I think our biggest play for that HCI solution has been really that remote office, branch office um, space. And people are wanting to collect point of sale data in store. So in store solutions is really. Um, that's how that that solution was actually developed at Vector Data. It was for retail, a grocery retailer, wanting to deploy a system at every retail location, collect all the point of sale data, and then snap mirror it back to their central data center. Um, so we're seeing a lot more in the retail space for you know large retailers wanting to deploy this across thousands of stores. Um, and you know for NetApp, it's great because the more that NetApp gets out on the, in these edge, you know, remote locations, the more, you know, more FAS systems they're probably going to be snap mirroring back to in the data center. But the of data, the whole data fabric story really plays well with this. Um, so I think this is just an extension of getting, you know, the data fabric further out on, into the, these edge locations.
0: Yeah. I think it's actually a really good example of, what the data fabric can do, right? So, I mean, for years we've heard data fabric, and, and some people can wrap their heads around what it is. Some people look at it as, a, you know, a creative marketing term, right? But this, you guys are really using it, and you're using it to its full capabilities. And it sounds like with, you know, some of these other use cases, like, you know, for example, I'll go back to self-driving cars. I mean, you, you talk about reporting back to a data center. That data center doesn't have to be on-prem. That data center can be in the cloud, And when you throw it in the Mm -hmm. cloud, you can throw thousands of cores at this data to analyze it. So you can have real-time analytics nearly reporting back to this car to give feedback for what the data has been, you know, relayed back to the data, to this, um, you know, the the cloud data center there. So there's a lot of exciting things I think you can do with this technology.
2: Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, I I agree with that as well. I, I think that,
1: you know to us at Vector Data uh, Data Fabric is is like a toolbox. And in that toolbox are a lot of different tools that you can use. And you know, we're trying to basically find more areas to leverage data fabric. So every company has their own unique, you know, needs. And we can help them leverage all of those tools to make, you know, make their business more efficient from collecting data in the field. To storing and processing processing it in the cloud, to moving it into the data center, to you know protecting it and disaster recovery, et cetera, et cetera. So, it really, you know, it's it's all about making data actionable across your entire organization. And data fabric is a toolbox for it.
0: So, before I was a uh, NetApp employee, and actually this is years back when I was in college, I sold knives. <laughs> And I won't, I won't disclose the knife company because I don't want to give them free press. But, um, one of the, one of the things we did to demo the knives and actually they used to sell scissors too, but you know, the knife could cut through leather. Of course, you had to bring the leather piece into the house and the scissors could cut through a penny, right? And this is supposed to impress your customers to the point where they would pay hundreds of dollars for this knife set that they didn't need. Um, that said, uh, you know, what's the demo that you guys do? What's your, what's your cut the penny moment when you show your customers what you guys can do?
1: Ah, yeah, actually, this is a demo that uh, we're currently doing. We have been doing for a while. Um, the last time we showed it off was uh, FCO West, which is, uh, I guess, that's U.S. military um, conference uh, to show off technology and whatnot. And specifically, the demo that we do is that we can basically take our phones and take a picture on it and then... Upload that to our little vector data vault edge, and using data fabric using a combination of products we can show it automatically being uh, Replicated into AWS into the cloud and then from there being replicated again out to a remote server where that image will then pop up on a, a Little website like a Linux based web server so we can show the full end-to-end of a picture making it from your phone through protected means, replicated into the cloud, all the way to an endpoint where it can be then used and, um, and processed. So the ability to show that, that, you know, from the beginning to the end, we're leveraging all these different pieces from using ONTAP Select to using SnapMirror to using Cloud Manager and Cloud Sync uh, to using OnTab Cloud, to all the way to the endpoint of it actually being connected to a remote host where it, it can display up uh, the images. So that that's a nice way of us being able to demonstrate the full functionality of what Vector Data is trying to achieve um, with a lot of its customers.
0: So you don't blow up the source. I mean, come on, <laughs> you got to blow it up and show that you can still access the data after it's been replicated. <laughs>
1: We, we we have we have a new demo that we're actually working on, um, which which will basically the fish tank
2: demo.
1: Yeah, the fish tank demo, where we're going to take one of our voltage products, put it into water, you know, basically an aquarium with fish swimming around it, and basically do that same demo, but going through a voltage that's running underwater with fish swimming around it.
0: Now that is a cut the penny moment, and that actually solves <laughs> your cooling problem. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, data fabric underwater. Excellent.
2: Yeah, so our Vault Edge, we offer a fully waterproof version as well.
0: So how does that work? No, seriously, with the cooling, right? So, I mean, it's waterproof, but there has to be some way for the system to get cooled. So how does that actually work?
1: So uh, there's there's basically two versions. The, the version that we run for our demo is a version that can run both You know uh, somewhat submerged or i should say submerged and non-submerged and basically it's it's all encompassed inside of an aluminum heat sink so it basically uses air or water flowing around it to dissipate heat Um, we do have another version that's a little bit smaller that that has to be submerged but basically that could be used you know on a boat or something or you know, basically in a port or something where it's partially submerged all the time, where it basically uses the water around it as, as a way of dissipating heat. Um, but we have some pretty unique capabilities around that. We have looked at things like doing liquid cooling. We've explored that with some customers as well. Um, but so far, we've been able to manage heat with just
0: indirect passive cooling. So I'm guessing you built a pretty sweet gaming rig in college. Your water cooled oh, system.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely, definitely. I I was in liquid cooling uh, back in the day. I guess you could say.
0: <laughs> did you did you pimp it out with like all the lights and like you know make sure it was a see through case and everything?
1: Oh, oh yeah, I think I yeah. I, I want to say everybody goes through that phase, but <laughs> I definitely went through. <laughs> I you, definitely went through the phase. So do, you, do you guys I mean, have a vector
0: yeah. data system that does that? Because that would be awesome. <laughs> Yeah, we we need some neon lights and and water pumps and yes. If anything for your demo system, right? Cuz that that's it that kind of speaks to the geekery of it.
1: <laughs> yeah, we we that's why we were thinking initially we were going to put fish in it and someone's like, "Oh, we should put piranhas in it." And I'm like, "Yeah, I don't know about that." <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's maybe a little too flashy. <laughs> so, Rebecca, um these demos sound really cool. I want to see one. Where could I find a demo where you are sticking a box in a fish tank?
2: (laughs) So actually at the NetApp uh, EBC in Sunnyvale, there will be a Vault Edge uh, system. I think it'll be a couple of months out still, but NetApp actually um, just procured one for their EBC center. And then we're also going to have a non-functional demo at the NVIDIA GTC conference, but you'll get to see the small form factor rugged system. Um, and yeah, those are the, those are the upcoming places. If anyone does want an actual demo, um, we can, you know, work directly with them as well.
0: And how would they contact you for that?
2: Uh, the best way would be to, uh, email either Chris or myself. Um, and, Arpinero at vectordata.com or cbrill at vectordata.com, and we can put you in touch with the right folks to get you a demo system.
0: Okay. We'll uh, we'll add that to the show notes that people have access to those email addresses. Um, Will you be at Insight with a fish tank?
1: That That is our plan. That is our plan to have the fish tank at Insight.
0: Okay. I'm going to hold you to that. I'm going to stop by, and I'm going to see where these fish tanks are. (laughs)
1: So let me clarify the U.S. insight.
0: <laughs> so, what you ought to do here's a suggestion is one of the handouts you can give the swag, it's fish food. Fish food. <laughs> <laughs> Vector data branded fish food. And you can feed the fish
2: <laughs> in the Vector data demo.
0: I, I love it. We're going to do it. <laughs> All right. we'll,
2: we'll give out goldfish in a baggie. I'd That's,
0: I'd <laughs> you'll have so many dead fish by the end of the week. <laughs> All right, Chris, Rebecca, thanks so much for joining us today on the Tech on Tap podcast. Uh, Again, if we wanted to get in touch with you about Vector Data, how do we find you?
2: You can reach us via email. Um, My direct email is rpinero at vectordata.com or sales at vectordata.com also works.
0: Okay, and you also have a Twitter account at Vector Data,
2: right? Yep, you can reach us on Twitter or LinkedIn um, and technical questions, you can reach out to Chris Brill, cbrill at vectordata.com.
0: All right. Thanks so much for joining us.
2: Thanks so much for having us.
0: All right. That music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netup.com or send us a tweet. At NetApp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher, or via TechOnTapPodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, I'd like to thank Chris Brill and Rebecca Pinero of Vector Data for joining us today. As always, thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. getting off on this oh yeah